Innovators Podcast is brought to you by the Future of Work, powered by Microsoft, presenting the 2021 Future of Work Summit, accelerating AI and data automation, April 7th and 8th, 2021. Learn more at futurelu.com. Flyover Future is your leading source for news about innovation in the Midwest, in your inbox every week, and in your earbuds now with the Innovators Podcast. My name is Brian, and coming up on the show today, a sit-down with John and Jeremy from Advanced Business Solutions. You can't say, because I said so. You need to say, we are going to start looking at these every day. We're going to start digging into why these are issues because it's going to make our company better, because it's going to improve customer satisfaction. You can't do it because I said so. Might become the title of this episode. A healthcare organization Jeremy was talking about, it was like we found money just laying on the ground for them just by digging in and organizing their data. And then when we take that conversation to our other clients, Ben, they, they eat it up. They, where have you been? Why haven't you talked to me about this before? Hey, you know, this is something that's possible when you're there, when you're ready for it. Yeah, buddy, you're ready to learn about all the possibilities. Flyover Futures Innovators Podcast Season 2 starts right now. Flyover Futures Innovators Podcast exists to sit down with leaders in technology and AI across the Midwest. We are back. My name is Brian. I am your producer. And we have our host, our fearless leader. That's the world's tallest podcaster, Ben Reno Weber. Um, I am super excited. We've got two folks uh, from a company that is making big moves in the data space. Uh, and they already had a really solid and interesting platform from which to go. That is Jeremy Willis and John Clark. So welcome, you guys. Ben, thanks for having us, buddy. Um, you know, I'm really excited uh, to be talking because, John, you know, you and I have known each other for some time. And I'm really interested in the business model that Advanced Business Solutions has been bringing to our region of really just allowing companies to focus on the business that they're expert in while outsourcing some of their technology uh, to you. Uh, and then, you know, when Mark, your CEO, and I were talking, he pitched this vision that I thought was a little bit crazy of, you know, leveraging this platform as trusted partner to work with all of these companies uh, all over the country uh, in, in helping them prepare for the coming data revolution. Uh, and lo and behold, have brought in this rock star, Jeremy, uh, whose experience, you know, I'll let you talk about it, but, you know, up from Fortune 500 companies all the way down to startups across industries. Um, so I'm really excited to, to sit down and talk to you guys. Ben, appreciate the opportunity, man. We're equally as excited to, to get this conversation going. Jeremy, as a recent add to ABS, being uh, head of business development, I'm very excited to have him join the team. And we can kind of unleash this uh, vision that Mark and, and we've been working on for probably the last year and a half. So before we get into the mechanics of what you guys actually do, uh, I would love uh, to hear you talk about, you know, what is the coolest data or AI thing that you've heard about, even if that you're not going to do it? I mean, I was at IBM when they re rolled out Watson. I mean, just the idea that you can point something at unstructured data, structured data, and kind of cut out the middleman where you're putting it all in a central database and you're doing ETL and it just knows what's going on. Um, I mean, that future idea of that being, you know, that happening is 
whoever does that first is going to be a trillionaire. All right. And what's the coolest thing that you're working on right now? Right now, I am working on infrastructure. So it's it's boring, but it kind of is what makes the world run. I mean, it's connecting to data sources. It's bringing over flat files. It's cleaning data. It's you know manipulating the data so it can actually be used. And you know what we're seeing is these companies don't have a data journey yet. And because they don't have a data journey yet, the infrastructure is not there. And the goal is to get the infrastructure there, uh, get them started with simple business intelligence, and kind of let that run its course and then have them come back to us for more. John, can you talk a little bit about, so what were the things that you were doing with companies and how did they even raise this issue or set of issues to you? ABS has always grown organically and uh Getting into these new things is large in part of our customers' organic growth as well. Um, so a little bit of context of who ABS is. We are celebrating our 25th year in business this year. So the silver anniversary is when we decided what, what? To, to jump into the data analytics. Yes, very excited about that. Um, but historically, we are a managed service provider. So we are all of or part of your IT support. Um, we've got about 300 clients that pay us on a monthly basis to maintain their IT systems from help desk all the way to CIO services. And uh, we, we kind of stumbled into this, Ben, um, and this is kind of my favorite uh, data story to, to answer half of the question you, you, you sent to Jeremy. <clears throat> the, the resource he was talking about earlier, his name is Seth. I, I worked with Seth in the healthcare industry, very, very smart guy. Um, and we were working with a local uh, multi-site healthcare organization. Um, we brought Seth along because he had experience with uh, turning paper uh, patient records into a digital form. The, the name of that uh, is slipping my mind right now. But he spotted that that customer needed reporting. So they had all these different systems, they had ways to pull the data out of each individual, but they had no way to bring it all together and make business decisions with that. Um, Seth kind of took the lead there. He was teaching me what was possible. He put all of that data together, visualized it. She was able to take that information to her board of directors and they figured out real business decisions. And when I saw the power that that, that process had, We've got clients that have all kinds of data, and I'm sure if we could help unlock that, we can impact their bottom line um, just by leveraging the data that they already have. So that's my favorite data story and kind of how ABS got in. You know, one of the things that we talk about all the time with guests from every industry is people want to start this from the tech but it doesn't work when you do it that way. You got to start with the business problem. So what are the business problems that you're seeing that your clients are looking to you to help them solve? There's a project we were working on for a construction firm. They're trying to get finance data. And, you know, instead of a report that's run weekly or biweekly, we're saying, hey, we could crack this open. And now we're giving you data, you know, that's refreshed nightly. And then it just makes it that much easier to make decisions and kind of know where your business is when you're dealing with fresh data. And what we're also seeing, you know, working with, a, with another hospital is they didn't know what they had. 
And once we get in there, we're starting to look at connecting to the data. We're like, hey, did you know that you're paying for like three enterprise data warehouses and two of them are with the same company and there's about a 70% overlap? And, you know, you're still not getting what you need out of that. So at the end of the day, they'll be looking at not only starting their data journey, getting actionable intelligence, but it might end up saving them money in the end because now they have a better idea of where their data is stored, where their data is siloed. Um, just kind of treating us as trusted advisors to look at what they're doing, get access to all the applications they're using, pull the data in, uh, and then kind of go from there. So you say they don't know what data they have. So it sounds like, okay, there's a there's an, an initial infrastructure sort of version of this where you're like, oh, you're spending these overlapping things. But, you know, from an ongoing basis, what are the kinds of things that, that you're helping them to see or understand or act on differently? Just faster access to actionable data. Uh, a lot of these applications they use, they'll give you canned reports or you can go download Excel. But at the executive level, they don't want to look at a, a thousand record spreadsheet. You know, an executive level wants to see, you know, red, yellow, green for numbers. And if they see yellow, they can immediately point down to their mid-manager and say, why is this yellow? And the mid-manager can dig down a little deeper and they can go down to the frontline managers and say, what's going on with this number here? So, so you're a, you know, I'm a person in this healthcare company. You know, how far down is this kind of data innovation going? It's going to vary customer to customer. Sometimes the, the executives just want better insights into what's going on. Um, I mean, in my former life, I had worked on a project where the executive wanted to spend no more than five minutes knowing what the state of his business is. But the minute he knew what was going on, he could point to a region and a division and say, why is this number wrong? And we also granted access to the frontline managers so they could see like operationally what's going on. So you have the executives with the overarching you know, here's your customer, you know, your customer satisfaction score, your frontline manager is saying, you know, these four reps had, you know, 50 disconnected calls yesterday. What are they doing? Um, so, I mean, it's, it's really different goals for different roles and different goals for different levels within the organization. So usually that influence is sitting up at the executive level and they have the influence to say, we need to become a data-driven organization. You can't say, because I said so. You need to say, we are going to start looking at these every day. We're going to start digging into why these are issues because it's going to make our company better, because it's going to improve customer satisfaction. You can't do it because I said so. Might become the title of this episode. John, can we bounce over to you a little bit as you know someone who's kind of drinking their own medicine? Like, what if there are pieces of information that you would want to know about your business that you couldn't before? Like, what what is it that you want to know? I want to be able to review our client base, which we up until recently we did on a monthly basis until we started drinking our own Kool Aid, um, or once we started drinking our Kool Aid. Now we're doing it on a weekly basis. So when we find invoicing errors or things that didn't follow what we call the ABS way, our core values, we're able to much uh, more quickly react to those things 
Jeremy said something about impacting customer service. That's what we are. We're an IT company, but we were designed to be a customer service company. If we're not delivering customer service, we're not doing what we said. So getting access to that data much quicker, uh, feeding it up from our account managers to the executive level, um, we've seen almost immediate ROI in, in that effort. Um, that's what we're seeing we're able to deliver to our clients. The healthcare organization Jeremy was talking about, I don't remember the specifics to the story, but it was like we found money just laying on the ground for them just by digging in and organizing their data. Um, and then when we take that conversation to our other clients, Ben, they, they eat it up. They, Where have you been? Why haven't you talked to me about this before? And my answer is we haven't found Jeremy yet um, to help us with that. Um, now we've got them and now we're ready to, to, to take it to everybody uh, that we can, especially in this small, medium-sized business that doesn't have the director of data analytics, as Jeremy puts it. The, from the culture of data, Jeremy, can you talk a little bit about, you know, in your experiences working for, you know, uh, IBM or some of the other companies of different sizes that you have been with? Like, what is people's willingness to absorb this? You can't just tell people what to do, but so how are you driving that kind of cultural acceptance in the places where you have been? So, you know, again, kind of reiterating, you know, the the leadership is key having that influence, um, relaying why you're doing something and not just saying it's the new directive uh, because there needs to be that connection between, okay, you know, this, if I'm processing a lead or something like that and there's all these extra fields, why am I putting these extra fields? Well, because we've got a new platform that will analyze that data and if that lead becomes a huge opportunity, we want to find more leads like it instead of just saying, well, these are mandatory now. And then, and then you end up with a hundred leads that have other for all those categories, you know? So that's uh that's my previous <laughs> sales sales life kind of, you know, where you have that directive, like this is the information that needs to be put in there. So the, when you've seen really good leaders in this space, what do they look like? How do they do that? Execution is key. You know, I mean, a lot of these projects that we're looking to start they're not fun at the initial because you're you're chasing down credentials, you're bugging somebody to validate the data, you're building a data dictionary to say what does this data mean, what is it related to, you're finding somebody that wrote a report five years ago that is, you know, run every week and saying why, you know, where did you get this data? And they're saying we don't know. So having that leadership that's bought in and that, that's pushing, pushing these people to say, this part isn't fun, you know, cleaning up the data, cleaning up the processes, getting all this documented, um, and then kind of linking that to, you know, you, you have to embrace the suck. Yeah, it's not sexy when it starts. But once you have that report that's, that you never had before that's teaching you stuff about your business, you make changes and you start to see the ROI that John had talked about then you see the benefit of it. Um, you know, there's just that disconnect between, you know, doing hard things and being rewarded for them. Jeremy, if, if I may real quick, um, during that non-sexy time when we start to develop the beginnings of the reports and the visualizations, you see your customer's light bulb go off. Uh, they understand the possibilities that they could start to draw from their data, and then you really got to manage that scope creep. 
Um, so it's fun to watch all that hard work that Jeremy and Seth are doing, the non-sexy stuff as we're calling it, but then watching the customer light up and then it's like, okay, now now is time for the fun that Jeremy can can probably elaborate on. I think one of the things that's so interesting about where Advanced Business Solutions has started in this is that you all really want to work with companies who are just looking to embark on this journey. Can you talk about like making the case for that evolution? What we're, you know, the, the vision we have is we are going to these underserved small to medium businesses that are looking to start their data journey, um, look into business intelligence, get actionable insights from the data they have, and they don't know where to start. So we kind of come in and we, we get them on that path. And the initial project might just be a couple reports and they're ecstatic with them. And so like, what would be in that report? Like, like just, just get super concrete. Get me, get me real granular. What is the, what's the gateway drug here? The gateway drug is a couple of them I can think of. One is, you know, I've brought it up before is that financial report that instead of it being a weekly to biweekly report showing old data, we're getting nightly refresh data. So they have better intelligence on where their financials are. Um, I mean, now you're also looking at data in terms of, you know, customer satisfaction, where your customers are coming from, um, what the demographics of the customers are, you know, where they're located in the city, um, which can help drive business decisions on marketing and, you know, possible locations for, um, you know, an extra, an extra clinic. So, you know, it's these initial steps that maybe the executive is like, this is what I want. And they see the benefit of it. And maybe they don't do, you know, maybe they make small incremental business changes over the next couple months, just based on those couple reports that we're doing. But then they've kind of tapped out and they're like, okay, you know, this was great. Can we do it in these other departments or for these other branches? Or what's, what's kind of the next step? And then again, you know, you, you, provide them something that gives them more insight into their business. They start making the changes. And then maybe a year later, they are like, you know what? We are sold on this data journey. We're becoming an intelligent organization. How do we start to leverage, you know, predictive analytics? And because we came in at the ground level and we really built that infrastructure, you know, worked on cleaning their data, worked on getting their data in a position to do that, we're also learning a lot about their business and now we're this trusted resource. So we understand their business. We understand their problems. We understand their data. We understand, Hey, you know, this is something that's possible when you're there, when you're ready for it. We've been talking with a a local Kentucky bank um, who they have the data on their debit cards, but they're asking all these great questions about where are our clients going with the, the debit cards? Are they using the ATMs anymore? Um, are they migrating over to uh, credit cards that have the reward points versus using my debit cards? Just those fun questions that they're asking that that Jeremy and our team can just put the data together and start to answer. Um, I, it gets me excited. Today's show is brought to you by the Future of Work, powered by Microsoft, presenting the 2021 Future of Work Summit, accelerating AI and data automation. April 7th and 8th, 21. This conference will highlight national thought leaders to demonstrate what's possible. 
spotlight local companies as near peers that have made significant progress on their digital transformations and offer clear pathways for organizations by introducing regional service providers. Be part of two days you won't forget. Get details now at futurelu.com. Uh, Jeremy, I just kind of want to flip over a little bit. You know, you've had a pretty wide-ranging career in different kinds of organizations in different spaces, but what got you interested in this kind of work in the first place? Well, you know, it was it kind of spurned from that uh, the previous job where I had been dabbling in programming and kind of wanted to move out of this sales uh, sales game. Sorry, John. Um, and you know, the development opportunity came up. And, you know, and, and the development we were doing there, it was like straight database connections. It was APIs. It was flat file uploads. So a lot of the stuff I'm doing now, and it's, you know, taking the data, cleaning it. And, you know, you just take, you know, a pile of garbage and you sift it and you find that nugget of information for them and you provide that to the business. And, you know, just being able to talk to people about it uh, is just great. Did you get interested in the the technology to begin with, or was it the kinds of problems that were to be solved? I know that you did a lot of work in statistic. Yeah. So I was starting to, you know, I started selling st- statistical software. That was my first uh, big boy job. Um, yeah. It was just, it was primarily programming related, just, you know, seeing the explosion from um, building basic web pages to adding JavaScript to all of a sudden, you know, there's Python and Ruby on Rails and, and people just building applications, you know, in their, in their spare time that become multi-billion dollar startups. Um, you know, so, I mean, that was always enticing. So you kind of learn about programming and then you start learning about databases and data and, you know, and, and maybe the, the, 80 to 100 hour a week grind as, as a startup founder isn't too appealing uh, when you've got a big family like I do. But you know, still being in there, still developing, still solving business problems um, is a lot of fun. And you know that was my previous role as a consultant, just being able to talk to end users, talk to mid-managers, talk to executives. So you kind of get all levels. You know, you're at the ground level, you know, show me how you do this. You're at the mid-level saying, all right, well, what reports do you need to make your job easier? And then you're at the executive level saying, you know, what's going to move the needle for your business? Because the same report that the frontline manager wants on, you know, how many calls were disconnected doesn't do much for the executive who wants to know what were my sales last, you know, yesterday compared to a year ago and why was there a deviation? So what kind of advice do you give to your kids in terms of education when you're thinking about the future of this technology? Because you have both the traditional, you know, okay, I did a degree from this university and you've got all these micro credentials you've picked up along the way. Like what, what are you telling them as, as they're looking at their lives and careers? Yeah, so I yeah I got my undergrad and then I went and got my MBA and then I've just been doing uh, self learning since then. Um, we actually homeschool, um, so you know my oldest should be graduating high school this year, you know, but she's already a year and a half into the community college, and you know we software is eating the world, so 
all of them are going to take are going to be required by me to take some classes on that you know data data is the new currency they're going to have to take something on that uh something you know database related something data analytics related um you know and and homeschooling is nice because then they kind of have a wide they have a, a lot of moved uh, room to look for other classes that they're interested in. I probably have, you know, a hundred different classes that I've paid for on sales. And, you know, just the other day I took my four oldest ones in there and I said, you guys have to pick a class. And, you know, I've got classes on like yoga for weightlifting to um, critical thinking and logic and rhetoric. And I'm like, there's something in here, pick a class. And, you know, my oldest picked a class on um, becoming a better student. Um, my, one of my youngest picked a class on, you know, designing video games because that's where he's at. And he's like, yeah, I want to see what's kind of, you know, I want to lift up the curtain, see what's going on behind there. So, um, I mean, that's kind of the direction we give them now. Um, my oldest, again, isn't really sure what she wanted to do. So we said, well, you know, Go to the community college, get your gen eds out of the way, uh, look for classes that you're interested in and, and take those because it's a lot cheaper now at a community college than, you know, me paying for six, seven, eight years at a university for you to discover yourself. So, John, you've had an interesting journey yourself in, you know, I think going from a you know, marketing background and you've been at ABS is that your, is it the only big boy job you've had? Is that, do I remember that right? This is my only adult job, Ben. Um, but you keep I've, reinventing it. I've worn many hats in the 16 years that I've been at ABS. Funny enough, I, I walked into class late. Speaking of finding yourself at a university, <clears throat> I'm still trying to find myself. Um, but I walked into class late. The professor pulls me out and says, Hey, my buddy Mark Lewis is looking to hire. I think you're a good fit. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, I'm a pretty bad student. I just walked in late. Why are you giving me this opportunity? Years and years later, when I was much more wise, I understood that I had the customer service background that Mark was looking for at the time. So we're 128 people, 29, I guess, with Jeremy's ad, uh, 20, 129 strong. There was seven people when I walked in the door 15 years ago, and the qualifications to work at ABS were not technical skills. It was customer service, and my background is golf courses, restaurants, and grocery stores. Um, I've always kind of been a customer service kind of guy. I learned all my tech stuff here. So starting out not knowing anything, to managing backups, to account management, leading a team of guys deploying EMRs to seven or eight hospitals, um, and now helping spread the good word of how ABS can help uh, with IT support and data analytics. Um, that is that is my uh, background and how I got to ABS. I, I love that. Because <laughs> I think that's, I mean, especially, you know, a lot of the stuff that we do at Future of Work is about helping people who are trying to figure out what the world looks like in this new economy. Picking up the tech stuff is not actually that hard. It, you know, using the tech stuff to really make a difference in people's lives is hard. It, so I would love to um, ask both of you these kind of bigger picture questions as we get towards wrapping up. 
what is most exciting to you about the coming data revolution and what scares you the most? Uh, I'll start and I guess I'll kind of start with what scares me. Um, I had a chance to listen to a couple of your other ones. So um, I'm not going to claim to be smart enough to talk about like the social aspects of, you know, the data revolution and all that scary. Um, So I guess I'll kind of just stick to the business aspects of it. Um, What scares me is companies, more and more companies realizing how valuable the data is and starting to like lock down access to it. And this, this is like ABS is, you know, of um, getting services from some other company and that other company is like, well, you know, you have to pay extra for API access or you can only download data. You know, we're not opening it up. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of going to always make it harder to bring data in to, you know, get actionable intelligence from it. And kind of carrying over from that, you have, you know, I don't remember who it was, but a VC several years ago had talked about how Craigslist became unbundled into several multi-billion dollar apps. You know, so instead of going to Craigslist for all this stuff, which, you know, maybe wasn't the best experience, you now have dozens of apps, but they all are worth billions of dollars. And what you see enterprise-wide is the same sort of stuff. You know, more and more specialized software that scratches an itch, but then that becomes another data silo. You know, so it's ticketing. Well, all the tickets live here. It's finance. All the finance lives here. It's marketing. All the marketing data lives here. It's CRM. And that all lives here. And now you're talking about, you know, X number of data storage types, X number of connection options, and it just kind of makes it harder to bring all that data together to form a picture. And, you know, again, I'll kind of refer back to uh, Brian Dennett at Enable AI, you know, talking about the hype. I remember my systems design professor when I was getting my MBA, he had a hockey stick graph showing, you know, quote, unquote, innovation during the dot-com era, dot-com bubble era. And, you know, the innovation skyrockets and then you have the crash, so the innovation like falls negative. And, you know, that's what everybody thought. But after that traumatic crash, everybody kind of looked around and said, there is, you know, good building blocks here. And they, that kind of was used to build the technology we're using today. And I think AI, ML, you know, machine learning could, could be doing the same thing. This hype is going up. Maybe it crashes and people are like, well, it didn't match the hype, but they look around and say, hey, you know, there's a lot of good stuff here. And they build the next generation of AI, you know, machine learning that's, you know, more that's helping customers even more so than than it is now. And, you know, kind of what what makes me excited is kind of like what's next. You know, there's going to be tools there's going to be tools to counteract the data siloing. There's going to be tools that make it easier to get all your data in. There's going to be tools that make it easier to get it cleaned and ready for that. Because I mean, that's the bulk of the work right there is getting the data, cleaning the data. And then, you know, you can make a hundred different reports in an hour once you have good, clean data. So it's not the reports that are hard. It's all that, it's all the, you know, unsexy work that we talked about earlier. It's the infrastructure, it's the cleaning, it's getting data ready to be shown. 
what gets me most excited is um, the new way that ABS can help their customers. Um, at the core of what we've always done, whether it's fixing the broken printer because the proposal won't print, we're helping people solve problems so they can go about their day and, and do their job. Uh, we're doing it in a much different way now. Um, taking the data that we've helped back up, help build platforms for, now we're unlocking that data and creating real opportunities to make business changes um, or decisions. Just a, a, a great way for us to help. Um, and in some ways, it's going to justify the, the cost of, of our services, uh, the, the managed IT services that, hey, look at the, the money we saw on the ground here. Go, go have fun with it. What scares me, uh, growing up, Terminator 2 was probably one of my favorite movies. And I'm sure it's kind of cliche when we're talking about machine learning and AI, but um, I, I guess Skynet's on, on the verge, and uh, just seeing it morph into that kind of scares me. Who, who's governing this? Who's making sure that it's being used for good and um, we don't have Arnold Schwarzenegger trying to, to save John Connor from the advanced t3 i think it was um, but anyways that that's what scares me I, I always wanted someone to say that because i feel like that is the obvious answer to that question and no one said it it's season one at all so it's season two we're kicking it off with the right answer to that question thank you john let's go there real quickly i like to do something called fly over flybys where i throw some some random questions that may not pertain as much to the topic at hand and so i'm actually going to start with john and say what is your what's your current uh favorite movie that shows dystopian data misusage uh, if if your one growing up was Terminator 2? Uh, man, the pandemic has kind of distracted me away from TV, so that, that's really a hard thing for me to answer. Um, I feel like I don't for know. a lot of people, it put them watching a lot more TV, so good for you that you found something else to do during the pandemic. I don't, I don't understand why it happened. It's hard for me to pay attention to sports uh, as well. Again, I, I don't know what it was. Um, but my favorite show of all time, which I, it doesn't it doesn't go into data, Brian. So I apologize. But That's The okay. Sopranos is by far the best series ever, and I've watched it probably ten times, even during the the pandemic. It was one of my things. But uh, The Sopranos has to be the answer to to the favorite TV show. All right, Jeremy, I got a different question for you. My question for you is, uh, you know, we talked a lot about different reports that you uh, are able to create and dig into and get excited about. If you could see a report on anything in the world around you, what's the thing that you'd like to see a report on? I don't know, probably like the 10-year future for Bitcoin. <laughs> We'd all like to see that report. We'd all like to see that report. Well done, well done. Uh, wow, this was this was great, guys. Thank you so much for being on the show. This is everything I hoped it would be. Very good. And that brings us to the end of another episode. Make sure you're checking out Advanced Business Solutions by logging on to advancedbusinesssolutions.com. Pretty straightforward and simple. Also, Ben Reno Weber, same thing, futureloo.com to find all about the Future of Work initiative powered by Microsoft and their 2021 Future of Work Summit, accelerating AI and data automation coming to you next month. Me, I'm Brian Eichenberger. You can find me at wearethestoryguys.com. We do podcast consulting, creation, and a whole lot more. And make sure you're checking out Fly Over Future, your home for all the information and news you need about data and AI and startups and technology all happening in the Midwest. You can get their email dropped into your inbox every week. 
just by signing up at their website, flyoverfuture.com. Upskill, upskill, upskill and away. We'll see you on another runway soon. Until then. <laughs>